Welcome to Spot on Safety, the program designed for safety professionals. Spot on Safety is brought to you by iWorkWise, providing safety knowledge when you need it. For more information about iWorkWise, go to iWorkWise.com. Welcome to Spot on Safety, Episode 2, with your hosts, Dan Smiley and Amy Does. Good morning, Amy. morning, Dan. When we were here last week, we were talking about training under the HAZWOPER standard for first responders at the awareness level, first responders operation level, and hazardous material technicians, and said that we would be talking about the difference between emergency response plans and emergency action plans. How does somebody know, Amy? whether they need to have an emergency action plan or an emergency response plan? Well, um, some of that hinges on, on the definition of what an emergency is. And, and what we're talking about in this area is uh, chemical releases. So first you have to have a quantity of chemical that could cause an emergency and you have to have the potential for a release that could cause an emergency. So. Uh, how to determine that, OSHA gives some guidance in the beginning of the HAZWOPER standard, 1910-120. Um, uh, the, the scope of it is it covers uh, a list of operations unless the, the uh, employer can demonstrate that there's no possibility of an emergency occurring or the possibility for um, reasonable uh, exposure to safety and health hazards from that chemical. So it's written to be fairly inclusive. So if there are, um, if you can have a leak of a chemical and it can be at levels that are hazardous to employees or employees who are cleaning up that release would be exposed to hazardous situations, um, then you have to take a long, hard look at the, the HAZWOPER standard. In that standard, um, there is some language in paragraph Q that talks about uh, what an emergency response is and uh, when you need a plan, an emergency response plan versus an action plan. So here, Dan, if you want to, we can just kind of talk a little bit about um, what an emergency response is. Yeah, I think it's important that people understand that. So okay. can you take us through that? Yeah, when we look at the, uh, if we go back in the HAZWOPER standard, and we look at the definition at the very beginning of emergency response or responding to emergencies. This is a really key area and it's a gray area, so it's important to talk about because most people don't, I don't think, have a good um, understanding of, of what this line is. And, and OSHA in the standard doesn't say if you're over IDLH, for instance, uh, it's an emergency. They're leaving it gray because of the, the many different situations employers can find themselves in and the many different chemicals. Um, so anyway, we'll get into that a little bit, I think, later. But the definition of emergency response or responding to emergencies means a response effort by employees from outside the immediate release area or by other designated responders, such as mutual aid groups or fire departments, to an occurrence which results or is likely to result in an uncontrolled release of a hazardous substance. Responses to incidental releases of hazardous substances where the substance can be absorbed, neutralized, or otherwise controlled at the time of release 
by employees in the immediate release area or by maintenance personnel are not considered to be emergency responses within the scope of the standard. So what they're saying here to, to me is that if you can get to the whatever leak it is, you have a chemical in your facility, you can get to it to shut it off quick, um, you just close a valve, something simple, some maintenance personnel in the facility can handle um, safely, then you don't have an emergency. You have an incidental release. And OSHA also gives us more guidance on what an emergency is in, in their compliance directive uh, or CPL 2-2-73. Uh, and that's the inspection procedures for HAZWOPER. Um, that just came out in 2007. Uh, there wasn't a, there was a CPL before that, but it was just uh, updated in 2007. And in their Appendix A, they give uh, guidance. Appendix A is in fact titled "Releases of Hazardous Substances That Require an Emergency Response." And there's three sections in it. Um, well, there are more than three, but there are three pertinent to what we're talking about. And they give examples of releases that are clearly incidental, releases that may be incidental or require an emergency response depending on circumstances, or releases that require an emergency response regardless of the circumstances. So as usual with OSHA standards, we get some valuable guidance uh, that, that many people can't find readily in the uh, compliance directive, but it gives more information than just that definition. The definition is critical. Uh, to deciding whether or not you have an emergency and you need to know whether you have an emergency or not before you can decide if you need an emergency response plan or an emergency action plan. Well, we work with a lot of people who, well, let's take anhydrous ammonia as a, an example. Some of your clients intend to respond to what is clearly an emergency release, hundreds of pounds of anhydrous ammonia escaping from their refrigeration system, with a full-blown level A response, entry team, backup team, the whole nine yards. Yet some people in the same situation decide that we're not going to train to that level. We are going to do something less than that. How, how does someone come to that decision? Well, I, I think it's a matter of what their comfort, a matter of a couple things, I think. Um, their, the company comfort level with people being in those situations, uh, the location of the facility, if it's near uh, large community populations or if it's remote, um, the, the distance to the nearest hazmat team, so how far help is away. Uh, many facilities uh, that I work with, some in remote Alaska where the hazmat team is six hours away, best case scenario. Uh, and they'd have to get a plane in and weather permitting and, and those types of things. The company isn't comfortable with letting a leak uh, be an ongoing one for that significant or that long of time. So um, in that case, many companies decide that it's a responsibility to the community to have a trained uh, emergency response team uh, is trained and equipped to the proper levels in order to respond. Some, some facilities who are nearby hazmat or in more populated areas in the lower 48 um, decide that it's they really don't want their employees getting hurt in a, in a significant release, and so they're not gonna respond to anything. So it, everything hinges on that strategy because OSHA in the HAZWOPER standard, in paragraph Q, uh, 
basically says that if you're going to respond, you need an emergency response plan. And if you are not going to respond, you can have an emergency action plan. So before you sharpen your pencil and write anything, um, you have to decide if the potential for, for an emergency release of a chemical exists at your facility. And then you have to decide what strategy you're going to adopt, whether you're going to turn the situation over to the fire department and the hazmat team, wherever it may be coming from, or whether you're going to take some kind of action within the facility. And then within HazWopper, if you're going to take, if you're going to make a response, you have several options. You can respond offensively or you can respond defensively. And your training and your plan change to reflect that. So do you have the potential for an emergency release of a hazardous substance is the first question. And what is your strategy for response? What is your most uh, responsible and reasonably appropriate strategy for response? Those have to be dealt with before any plan writing or, or anything goes on because um, you're just going to be doing it over if you haven't thought through, thought through that um, carefully. So I'm a company owner, and I, I know that I have the potential for a large release. I don't feel like the employees that I have are trained often enough to make good emergency responders. Is it my choice whether or not I'm going to respond? I mean, it sounds like on the one hand, some of your clients decide that they're going to be good citizens and good neighbors and mount a response and train their people to that level, and others uh, – equally good citizens, but because of their location around a hazmat team or a well-equipped fire department, decide that they're not going to train to that level. Does OSHA and EPA allow you to just make that choice? The short answer is yes. They require you to make that choice. So if you have that potential, you need to look at it, and then you need to make that choice. Um, there is one other factor that comes into your decision-making. And that is uh, the strategy of the local emergency responders. Some local emergency responders, this, this often varies by the opinion of the fire chief or um, the strategy of the hazmat team in the area. But, you know, sometimes you can set up your own ICS and have your own emergency response team. And these guys can arrive on the, on the first responding fire trucks. And, and they also have a choice, and that's to take the uh, situational control of the release away from you. So you may have a strategy as an employer to mount a, mount a response and you have a team and you have decon set up and you have all these things you're supposed to have and you're shut down in five minutes. So um, if an employer wants to respond, then the next step is, is part of the HAZWOPER standard, which is pre-emergency um, planning and coordination with local responders. So the company has to check with, with the responders in the area. It's super important to have a dialogue um, if you could have an emergency uh, release of, of chemicals at your facility, you have to have a dialogue and actually talk to them. Uh, go there or call them or establish a relationship uh, with your local fire department and even maybe the hazmat team to decide uh, to help you decide whether you're going to have a response team. Because if they're just going to yank the yank the uh, control and the response away from you in five minutes, then why do all the training that it takes to maintain a team? So that can factor in too. But if we look at the emergency response plan language in HazWopper, and I think we should, um, 
they basically, it lays it out pretty nicely. So let me read from the text of uh, paragraph Q1 of 1910-120. An emergency response plan shall be developed and implemented to handle anticipated emergencies prior to the commencement of emergency response operations. The plan shall be in writing and available for inspection and copying by employees and their representatives and OSHA personnel. Employers who will evacuate their employees from the danger area when an emergency occurs and who do not permit any of their employees to assist in the handling of the emergency are exempt from the requirements of this paragraph if they provide an emergency action plan in accordance with 1910.38 in this part. So, therefore, it's your choice. Well, there you have it. Well, I think that really covers what we intended to talk about here today. Ties together the emergency action plan, emergency response plan requirements, along with your HAZWOPER training. Thanks for joining us today, Amy. Thanks, Dan. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Spot on Safety. If you want to ask a question or leave a comment, you can email us. The address is spotonsafety at iworklife.com.